So it was while I was, you know, really caught up very deeply in uh, kind of the um, the witness against apartheid, the the social dimension of the gospel. Um, somehow this just it brought me, I think, to the very center of the gospel. That if I was going to be mm. in this for the long run uh, and for the long haul, I would need to. I would need to find ongoing resources in a present relationship with the Trinity. Yeah. It's a true gift to bring to you this sacred conversation with South African Methodist pastor, Trevor Hudson. Trevor Hudson is one of the most respected voices of spiritual wisdom and authentic Christian spiritual life in South Africa and beyond. And I'm so grateful that we had this opportunity to spend time together. If you're looking for someone to companion you, to lead and guide you, teach and inspire you into an authentic spiritual life, I cannot recommend Trevor Hudson more highly enough. I've been reading his books and listening to his teaching for over 25 years. He's a deep source of wisdom for a flourishing life in God. I began our conversation by asking Trevor how he first encountered Christ, and he tells of how his heart was ambushed by the love of Christ after hearing the story of Jesus from a friend. So I hope you'll enjoy this wonderful conversation with a remarkable man whose life is so radiant with Christ. just seemed a little different to other of my friends he just seemed a little bit different in a good way and uh, I one day asked him I said his name was Philip I said Philip you know there's something about your life that makes you just a little different and um, he told me the story of Jesus and uh, oh, wow. and uh, I, 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 I guess my young heart was captivated uh, I think particularly by the cross and by uh, Christ's self-giving on the cross. Um, and then just one night, uh, walking home um, down one of the city streets, I kind of said, Lord, um, I want to give my life to you and I'd like to spend the rest of my life learning to follow you. And, uh, and so that's how it started. It really started through the, uh, through the witness uh, of, 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 a, of a fellow pupil, a fellow student. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's just, it's remarkable because we never really plan for these kinds of things that just occur through God's grace and, and mercy, you know, it's just, Wonderful, but apparently, right. apparently, you fell head in love with Jesus and uh, want wanted to be his follower, and that's that's really a sign of, of God's act in your life. Uh, really is. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I often just say I have I have a sense that my heart got ambushed uh, <laughs> by by Christ's love, yeah. and um, yeah. and it just kind of drew drew from me. Um, a response of of deep longing uh, to follow him. Yeah, 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 really, really beautiful. 
And so you, you grew up in the context uh, in South Africa, Johannesburg and the vicinity. And how did that impact your, your experience of Christ and how you began to grow and see the world and, and your eventual real sense of calling and compassion, listening to the groans as you've written and spoken about? Well, Rob, as you know, um, my home country uh, is South Africa and... Um, and like, uh, like every um, white person living in this country, I've been deeply shaped and formed for better and for worse by the history of our country. I think one of the great gifts of grace was that Philip, who told me the story of Jesus, he was part of the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. And the Methodist Church of Southern Africa kind of reflects very accurately the diversity of our country. So, um, the, the, the Methodist Church in Southern Africa, I would say, is plus minus um, 90% black, 10% white. Mm. And so I found myself within a church, even though I grew up in a highly segregated apartheid situation, I found myself in a church that opened doors for me in terms of personal relationship and contact with fellow black Christ followers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in yeah. many ways, I count myself um, extremely fortunate um, that that happened because I could so easily have found my way into a church which didn't provide that opportunity. Right, right. So I'll, all, I'll always be grateful uh, for, for my belonging uh, to the Methodist family here in Southern Africa. And then it was, if I, without um boring your listeners a very significant moment was uh, in my early 20s when i attended a three-month uh, residential leadership course which was hosted by the methodist church of southern africa and that course was again predominantly black and so i found myself which was very unusual for a a, a young white person in that uh, at that stage of the country's history. I found myself um, uh, learning from my fellow black Christ followers. They, in many ways, were my first significant teachers in the faith. Mm. So I, I just count myself extremely fortunate that I found my way uh, via Philip into a community of faith that gave me the opportunity to develop personal relationships with the majority of our uh, of our population, yeah. and many, many, many white folk, uh, and this is not to excuse white folk in South Africa, but many, many white, you know, the apartheid was a very effective policy, and it 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 really kept the races apart in a way that was uh, profoundly tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, I just count myself very fortunate. And then obviously when I, um, I never went straight into the Methodist ministry. I worked in the financial uh, department uh, on leaving school for a, an American company, in fact, Firestone Tires. Um, 
and then um, in my mid-20s had a sense of real calling to pastoral ministry. Yeah. And, um, and so I found myself becoming a, and beginning my journey towards ordination and training within the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. And so my exposure to uh, my fellow black South Africans grew and grew and grew. Um, and through that exposure, I began to also then catch a glimpse of the, um, of the terrible effects of apartheid upon the lives of black people uh, in, in South Africa. And, that, and obviously that, um, that shaped my life very, very deeply. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, the, you know, the long, slow journey of conversion, of facing my own, uh, my own, um, my own racism, uh, I was a product of my own society. Um, that's not an excuse, but I had to face the fact that I had been kind of recruited into a way of seeing people that was um, not Christ-like at all. And so the journey of unlearning and facing my own prejudices started, I would say, in my mid-20s. And that conversion as you know, continues for the rest of our lives. Yes. So I'm yes. still in the process of that conversion. Yes, as we all are. And so current, obviously, here in, in uh, the United States and around the world with current events. And I think that if one can look at history, uh, perhaps God's hand is here and inviting us to once again examine our common humanity and... Uh, but it's fascinating sure. to me, your experience and your, your exposure and your active involvement in ministry with people of color. And so I, I just think that's a remarkable part of your journey. It really is, really is. Well, it's a, for me, it's just been a remarkable gift of grace. And for me, that, it was the gift of God through God's own church. Uh, and that was a real gift. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to also uh, move towards... Uh, some common ground, but I, I think you're, you're, again, the blessing of your life in ministry of encountering Dr. Dallas Willard and his impact um, mm. in your life, and also uh, Ignatius of Loyola, two principal voices, as you call them, and indeed in my own life in ministry have had such unbelievable impact. But I'd like to hear a little bit about those two and how, how you've come to know them and what they mean to you and how they've oh, influenced you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Rod. Uh, thank you for that. And, uh, and you will need to stop me because I can talk now for ages, <laughs> but I'm going to be, I will, I'm going to be quite strict on myself. But in 1985, um, uh, our one uh, daughter had just been born in 1984 and in 1985, I went down with mumps, uh, which, uh, you know, getting mumps as an adult uh, always is, it's, it's not a, a, an easy experience. So I was laid up in bed um, and um, someone gave me a, in those days an audio cassette and it was an audio cassette of, of Dallas Willard mm. and of, 
of some teaching that he had given and it was on he was teaching on the kingdom of god and i think when i listened to that tape the very very first time i had a sense that that he was saying something that was very very important and i often go back to that time to know what it was and i think what it was was that he was whetting my appetite for an experiential an experiential walk with god as a living friend and companion in one's life in the present so it was while i was you know really caught up very deeply in kind of the um, the witness against apartheid the the social dimension of the gospel um, somehow this just it brought me i think to the very center of the gospel that if i was going to be in this for the long run uh, and for the long haul i would need to i would need to find ongoing resources in a present relationship with the trinity yeah. and so I, I just wrote a letter it was days of writing letters and i said i wrote a, a letter to him and uh, i said dallas i would love you to come to south africa i don't have an honorarium uh, i can't i don't know where we can you can come and stay with us but we'd love you to come and just be with us and and to my and uh, he came and he spent two weeks uh, with us uh, here in southern africa in my and that was the first of four visits my goodness uh, wow that was another gift of grace and just as i'm speaking to you i'm just so aware of gifts of grace and and that was a, a relationship with him uh, until he died um, and thankfully uh, the relationship still continues now with his wife jane and particularly with his daughter becky yeah yeah and then with ignatius um that came in 1990 um and it came when uh, a long term vocational dream it became clear to me that i would not be able to pursue it within the methodist church of southern africa uh-huh. and be, and i didn't want to leave the methodist church of southern africa it really was my mother in the faith so, yeah. so um, of my seniors who 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 felt that it was not appropriate and right for me to and uh, to follow the particular path that i wanted to um so i was in a kind of vocational crisis yeah. and yeah. um an anglican an anglican sister sister maureen um said to me uh, trevor i think you should do the exercises of ignatius mm, i had no idea what that i had no idea what they were yeah <laughs> and she said i know that i know i know a monk down the road father andrew norton an anglican monk from the community of the resurrection and uh, he, he's trained to do this and he'll take you through the exercises so i just went straight from her knocked on his door and uh, and he met me at the door and i said I, i'd like you to take me through the exercises and um, and and he just kept chuckling he said i don't know he just kept saying to himself i don't know what a high church anglican like me is doing with a low church methodist <laughs> like you 
but you know just doing uh, just doing doing the exercise him leading me through the exercises i did them in daily life that was a, a a very very again another deepening experience of conversion um and of discernment and i just and even though it wasn't part of my tradition in any way uh, i i wanted to make those exercises available yeah. uh, to to people within the protestant tradition particularly within the methodist family yeah and so i um knocked on the door of the Jesuits and I asked them if they would uh, help me <laughs> and they uh, the, the uh, Jesuits in South Africa have been uh, very generous in uh, uh, they've helped me to understand the exercises uh, and also to give them and yes. in fact I do some training with them at the moment and we uh, we uh, um, we we train people to give the exercises. It's a, a four-year journey, um, and um, it's been a huge privilege to work with them. Yeah, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. It's I, I remember in in my doctor of ministry class with Dallas, I was struggling with you know what I should be doing for a final thesis or paper, or whatever. And uh, he just immediately said, "Oh, I think you might be interested in Ignatius of Loyola." Uh, especially as he was able to engage people wherever he went and call them into this relationship of following Christ with these exercises. So it's fascinating, the, the connection between Dallas and right. Ignatius. Yeah. Right. And I know that in his, you know, I, 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 I know uh, two things may be of interest to those listening. On the one hand, uh, he, uh, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he, he suggests that the exercises are one of the very best templates, um, you know, for discipleship and for, for, for formation, provided they are suitably adapted um, you know, to the, to the person that is doing them. Yeah. And um, so, and then on the other hand, uh, Jane, uh, Jane Willard, his wife is uh, really one of the, is a very, very good giver of the exercise. Is she really? Uh, and she, uh, she gives uh, each year, she gives the exercises to, uh, to a group of people. So she's been doing that now for the last, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think she's been doing it for the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know that her ministry in giving the exercises has meant a great deal to many, many people. That's fascinating. It really is. Um, and I think for, for our listeners, I just, uh, I, I just want to encourage them, both through your work and through Dallas's work, to see this reality of a living experience and what maybe as, as Dallas and you also talk about another kind of life that the gospel really has called us to and the transformation of ongoing discipleship and following Christ. Yeah. It's just the heart of the message. Yeah. I think that is, you know, to, to speak a little crudely, I think that is the, cru the, the core business uh, of, you know, of, of, of the local congregation. Um, yeah. I really do believe that and, um, and have given myself 
to that ministry as a local pastor for for over 40 years amazing yeah wonderful wonderful as you have yeah yeah well speaking of of longevity here we are in our 60s maybe our later 60s and how is the lord calling you now is that a a question that's with you or are you sensing just the continuing journey how how would you frame your current life stage and ministry and what that means to you thank you rob it's a question i would love to ask you as well (laughs) and uh but you you got in first and uh Rob, uh, as a Methodist pastor, we had to take uh, we had to take retirement at the age of sixty five. So, uh, I had to stop active ministry uh, as a local pastor at the age of sixty five, and I'm sixty nine at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it was quite you know for forty years, my identity, my vocational identity, had been shaped by my pastoral role in many, many ways. Right, right. And uh, I think that is that is my core vocational identity. I'm a pastor. Right. Um, and um, But I had to step away from the local congregation. I, I think, I, again, I've been fortunate um, in the sense that I've been able, by invitation, to keep offering what I can in terms of doing some teaching here and there, doing some lecturing. Um, I come across to um, your country twice a year uh, to teach at the uh, Renovare Institute for Spiritual Formation and then to, uh, in fact, teach at, at Fuller on their doctoral program in spiritual direction. Wonderful. So those those are incredible gifts for me to be able to do that uh, because they give me an opportunity uh, to bring together to bring together the voices of Dallas Willard and Ignatius in many ways but to do that with a South African accent Um, and um, so I I continue and I don't know for how long those opportunities will be around Uh, so there's a sense in which my hands are open um i i find it a great privilege to be able to accompany people on their journeys in whatever way they would like me to i find the language uh, you know I, I i don't often i don't like to call myself a spiritual director it just seems so formal but i do i do the the privilege of being able to companion people and to walk with them as they follow Christ, I find a great privilege. Um, And I do that whenever I can and however I can. And I just keep writing as well. I, um, I, I, I enjoy writing and I enjoy making accessible uh, to uh, just to, you know, just to ordinary men and women in the street, uh, some of the treasures of, of our Christian gospel. Right. And you do that. You really do that well. And what is your next book? <laughs> do you have a new book? Well, yes, I yes I do. Um, and um, it's a call you meant you gave you 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 had the phrase another kind of life. Wonderful. Um, and it's subtitled in the company of 
uh, Ignatius at Loyola and Dallas Willard. And, and I think what I do in the book very simply is to hold out a vision that we really can have another kind of life. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. in which our lives are, are woven together uh, with the life of God. Yes. And, and the, the book is shaped around the shape of the exercises. It, it obviously doesn't take people through the exercises, yeah. but it, yeah. it, it, it is shaped by the movement of the exercises. Mm. And I'm just really hoping that uh, maybe people who've never heard of Dallas or never heard of Ignatius may just benefit from, yeah. you know, from just some of their, their spiritual wisdom. Um, so I'm hoping one day that that book may see the light of day. Yeah, well, it sounds, sounds wonderful. I'm, I, I'm so grateful, so grateful that you re, you've written that. I look forward to seeing it. Well, Trevor, <laughs> so. um, I want to thank you for the contribution that you have made. I know throughout the world, but I'm one witness to that. And I just am so grateful that I've had this opportunity to speak with you. And if there is one thing perhaps that you would leave with us as listeners to this podcast, uh, if there is one invitation or something that you would like to bring to us, would you consider doing that? What might that be? Rob, that's a very, that's a huge question. And I think I would, I think what I would say is that at the, at, at the heart of uh, our life with God at the life at the heart of Christian ministry and witness lies the activity of listening. Mm. You know, it's the very first word of the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel. It's the Shema. And I think we are called to be a Shema people, a listening people. And and I feel that we, we really need to be listening very, very deeply uh, at this moment of history, listening to each other, uh, listening to, um, to those who struggle very deeply, listening to those who've maybe been put on the outside of our society. And I think it's in that listening, that deep, deep listening, uh, Paul writes about this in Romans 8, this listening to the groans, uh, the, you know, the groans for, for justice, the groans for, um, for, for dignity, the, the groans for reconciliation. I think we need to listen deeply and then allow the Lord to lead us into an active response. And I think that active response will be different for each one of us. Yeah. as the spirit works with us and works with our hearts. Mm-hmm. So I'm, as I get older, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, will you give me the gift of ears? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that I may learn to, to really listen uh, to, so, so that I may also listen to you. So that would be my yeah. word, Rob. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. That is so, so wonderful. So thank you, Trevor. God bless you in your ongoing life and ministry, and uh, I'll be following you along and 
Well, <laughs> again, thank you so much for taking the time to, nah. to listen to an Episcopal, a retired Episcopal priest. <laughs> well, Rob, uh, uh, I know there's not space now, but equally so, I would love to interview you. And, uh, and, and, and my hope and prayer, and I really mean this, is that somehow in God's providence, uh, one day our paths may cross in flesh and blood. Yes, uh, I, would hope, I hope that may happen, and I, I and, that would be uh, a joy. It would be a joy. And <laughs> that would be a, a mutual joy. So right. thank you so much. Okay. God bless you, Trevor, and uh, love to your family and your friends, and uh, thanks again, and we'll, we'll be in touch. And I'll thanks, let you know, Rob. and I'll, I'll send you an email, let you know when I've dropped you. the podcast. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate Cheers. that. Blessings. Bye-bye. What a wonderful, sacred conversation. I hope you feel inspired by South African Methodist pastor Trevor Hudson. I want to really encourage you to look at his books. They're, they're so, so helpful. He's an excellent writer, and he makes accessible the treasures of the gospel and this new and another kind of life in the kingdom of God like no one I have read. It's really, really a gift. His preaching and his sermons are also so well done, and you can search for those on Google. So what a blessing. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed it, let me know that. Uh, give me a note or send me an email or make a comment. But God bless you, my friends, as we continue uh, to be on the journey of another kind.